3: Rita Repulsa is at it again. The Power Rangers receive an urgent message detailing several hotspots around the globe. Answering the call to action, Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, speeds to the site of one of the disturbances. Arriving on scene, Tommy is surprised to not see any 100-foot monsters attacking the town. Instead, there's just a small beacon of light emanating from the canyon below. Pushing in to investigate, the Green Ranger is welcomed by a machine of some kind. The light shifts and shimmers, just for a moment as the figure steps forward. That figure takes shape as it steps from the now apparent portal. You are no
4: Jedi,
2: (laughs) but you'll do.
3: Can be heard as General Grievous can now be seen in his full splendor. Tommy doesn't flinch. He's been training for just this moment. And this moment, he will try to prove once and for all why he is the greatest ranger of all time. It's Power Ranger versus Cyborg General. It's the Mighty Morpher versus the Jedi Killer. It's Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger versus General Grievous.
4: Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic books, sci-fi and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Ray Stekanis. Ray, today we have done it again. We're bringing an insane matchup to the Who Would Win fan base. We have another redemption match in the works. Listen. General Grievous was on season one of Who Would Win and suffered a devastating loss Terrible. to Blade Marvel's, yeah, a horrible loss. It was actually good for me, but a horrible loss nonetheless to Blade Marvel's Vampire Hunter. And now he's coming back to see if he can get that very first win in a Who Would Win match. Just one problem, though. He's going up against the most popular ranger, possibly the most powerful ranger from the series he was in. It's the one, it's the only, it's Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger from the series that started all, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Now, of course, I had to do the patented who would win Google test to see how many people have been talking about this. Lo and behold, race to canis. No one has been talking about this ever because if you don't find it on Google, clearly it's never been done before. doesn't exist. doesn't exist yet. Again, who would win is bringing you the fans geek culture as a whole, a premier unique matchup never before discussed, but we will be doing it today in a very big way ray what are your thoughts on today's matchup
3: i want redemption today james gavsey look i've had a lot of success over the last few weeks taking video game character after video game character and doing very very well with them look it's sort of my jam i'm supposed to be kind of great because i am my point is general grievous is a dark spot on my resume from season one blade is a fantastic character Don't get me wrong, but General Grievous should have won that battle. Not just that. I fought against the Red Power Ranger with Scorpion from Mortal Kombat in a previous (laughs) season as well and wasn't able to close the door either. So this is almost a double redemption matchup. I don't know what pit of despair I will fall into should I not prevail today.
4: Listen, we were both researching the Green Ranger. And, of course, General Grievous is fantastic, too. You're a dad. I'm a dad. So, of course, we're showing our kids a new generation, if you will, all the great stuff. You know, in researching this, I'm showing my kids all the awesomeness of the original Power Rangers. Uh, Then we went down, you know, the Super Friends and all these other great series and animated series and what have you. I got to ask you, Ray, when you go down memory lane, do you ever say to yourself, huh, this wasn't uh, quite as good as I remembered? does it ever lose something in translation or not age that well for you? I
3: mean, of course. Look, my other show, Knowing is Half the Podcast. We do nothing but watch cartoons from the 80s and 90s, and many of them are not very good, from the Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, oof, that one hurts a little bit, to to some of these other classics. When you see it with fresh
4: eyes, it often does not hold up to the memory you have from being a kid. Yeah, Ray, that was a trick question. What? (laughs) The answer, oh yeah, yeah, the answer was, of course, it doesn't it's not as great as I remember it. It's even greater. What how dare you? How dare you, you monster? You're telling me you can't watch the super friends and say, Oh my god, this makes no sense that Superman's tied down with a rope, yet somehow it just works and the story's even better. Oh, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. Andre the Giant doesn't even sound like he's French. Oh, that's horrible. No, it's even better. He has a northern present French accent. That's how awesome that is. I can't wait to get started with this battle just to show you how awesome Memory Lane is and how superior sometimes old school episodes were. I'm a little heated. I had some chocolate before the show. Ah, I will calm down. Now, speaking of great things like going down Memory Lane, it's time to introduce our guest judge. Making their first appearance on the Who Would Win show is the world's premier digital expert. That's incredible. It's the chief executive officer at Wormhole Labs. It's the one and only Phil Ranta. Phil, welcome to Who Would Win.
5: Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. Wow, this is a, that was quite an intro. I grew up as an '80s kid watching these uh, shows. They all hold up. You can see them all on YouTube.
3: Already. I got a list that you all gonna watch, and you all gonna change your mind after you watch kids' songs. I'm just saying, Come it's on, an option. Captain
5: N, the
4: Game Master.
5: It
3: oh holds my gosh! Up.
4: Well, that holds up. That is like Shakespeare for <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. Go on, good sir. This is this is great. Now, Phil, you know, as a digital expert, you've got a lot of experience. I checked out your resume before the show. Because, you know, I'm weird like that. Uh, amongst many things, I saw that you were also head of gaming or head of gaming creators for North America for Facebook. I've heard of Facebook, by the way. Big fan. Oh, thank And you. uh, you've done a lot of stuff in the digital workspace. But I'm really excited about what you're doing with Wormhole Labs. If you can, tell our audience all about it.
5: Yeah, I'm the CEO at Wormhole Labs. So we're an entirely user-generated metaverse, which means that people can take uh, locations where they're at, capture it, bring it to a metaverse. Fill it full of content, navigate it as avatars to meet, chat, shop, play, etc. And we're launching this fall directly to consumers. So make sure to go to WormholeLabs.com. Check it out. It's a really awesome
4: tech. That's insane. So you're saying someone could go and kind of capture their immediate environment or an environment near them, digitize it, for lack of a better term, and then create like an interactive simulation of it that other people can come into and there's a lot of functionality that you can interact with them in that simulation.
5: Absolutely. Or you can be sitting at home while Coachella's going on, and then you can wormhole into Coachella as an avatar, see all the concerts that are going on, talk to people like you're actually there. We're just trying to kill FOMO.
4: I'm done with FOMO. <laughs> and this is going to be the product that finally gets it done. You, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, Google, I think, turned the corner when people started using Google as a verb. Yeah. And you just did the same thing with Wormhole. You know, we want people to be able yep. to Wormhole mm. into Coachella. <laughs> we want people to Wormhole, you know, into class if they need to, which, by the way, is not a bad thing. Right. This is actually really cool. Where where do you think Wormhole is going to go? Where are we going to see Wormhole in the next five years?
5: I mean, I got to imagine that the, the dream of Wormhole is that everybody's just sitting on their couch at home and just Wormholing into places instead of going places. Like, I want the future from Wally where everybody's inside those chairs floating <laughs> around. But, no, I think that it's a cool way to show off where you're at bring friends along with you like it's really having your friends in your pocket so that when you're at a place you can be showing them things directly inviting their avatars in instead of just kind of sending it out to the masses with a hashtag and hoping people trail it so it really is I've been building creator networks for my entire career and this is the first time I've actually gotten to build a platform from the ground up so it's really exciting to kind of feel like I can be my own Zuckerberg for once.
4: This feels like the first step into the matrix, but like a matrix we want to go into.
5: I hope so. Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay. Now you've got this body of work, this, this is a huge resume and all this experience within digital content. And, you know, within the Hoodwin production team, we do a lot with social media, as I see that you do as well. So as a digital expert, who's seen so much, what can you tell digital, you know, creators or content creators to do, to stand out and then, you know, get that audience?
5: Yeah, absolutely. My number one piece of advice: just start making stuff and don't be afraid to suck. And then just be <laughs> self-critical and watch your stuff back and see what sucks and make it better. And just keep learning. Like everybody's got to make a hundred pieces of terrible content, and then once they get through that, they're fine. You know, right? <laughs> just like uh, me and Ray used to do comedy together. You have to go up on stage and suck for a while. Wait and then a minute. Eventually, are you, you have a to show that and it, you're
3: good. Are you trying to say our stuff wasn't brilliant back in the day? How dare you, sir?
5: <laughs> some work
4: but you know, no. no you gotta suck for a little
5: while and get better uh, it's like anything true. right practice practice practice
4: you know it's funny i i will tell you one thing that ray did not suck at when we started you know when, when he came aboard the hood and we moved it you know all to los angeles and what have you i hate to give ray a compliment he stepped in and immediately elevated the show as much as i don't like the guy as much as i disagree <laughs> with him as much as what have you he didn't he he did not suck from day one. With that being said, you're right. I had to make a whole bunch of episodes before that that weren't so great to get to where we are today. So to your point, I agree. There we go. Love it. (laughs) Okay, good. So we have someone who knows digital content who's a geek culture fanatic from the 80s and a big Star Wars fan, evidently. We have Ray Cicadas who's on kind of a hot streak. You've got me who's kind of insanely angry with what Ray just said about 80s uh, animation not being as good as it is today as it was then. Uh, We have the makings for a great episode. So with all that being said, Ray, Please do us the honors and announce today's matchup.
3: Representing the Power Rangers, the Green Ranger who once dreamt his fighting robot was stuck in a Sonic the Hedgehog game. It was a real Zord of the Rings situation. Tommy Oliver. And representing Star Wars, the cyborg who has been to many Jedi funerals just to get near the coffin, General Grievous. Um, I worked hard I said, for those, James. And I'd like said, to say that hard that work jokes. paid off.
4: That it, it uh, You nailed it. You nailed it. It was like your first time at the I.O. theater with Phil Ranta. <laughs> so, uh, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality And the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I got to ask, I know a lot about General Grievous, and I'm assuming you're going with the canonical Star Wars version, but is there another version I'm not aware of that you may go with?
3: You know, some people like to talk about the fan fiction legends uh, versions of these characters. I tried to write my own fan fiction version of General Grievous, but unfortunately our boardroom struck it down because fan fiction is not allowed in a who would win battle. So I guess I'm going to stick with the
4: canon version of General Grievous. I loved how your fan fiction was actually uh, macaroni art depictions of Star Wars battles. Fiction takes many forms, James. It's on my fridge right now, Ray. I loved it. I think it's great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. It's funny. I had to kind of figure out which Green Ranger we're going to go with um, or what iteration. We said Tommy Oliver, the original Green Ranger. Now, of course, the Green Ranger not only goes green, but he then turns into the White Ranger. I'm not bringing the White Ranger into this. I'm staying strictly green. On top of that, I'm not calling in the Dragon Zord. You know that Godzilla-sized mech that he could, you know, literally looks like Godzilla. He can call into this. I'm keeping this person to cyborg person. And, and to be time. fair,
3: that was what we agreed to in the boardroom. It's not like you're being honorable here. That's in order to make this matchup happen. Those were the stipulations.
4: Okay, if you mean by agreed to, like you start crying, literally crying, and say, "But he could do this. He could do that," and I'm like, "Don't worry, Ray, we'll do." It. He's like, "Well, then that's fine." Yes, we agreed to it. All good. We're on the same part. I cry
3: in the boardroom sometimes, James. It's a manly thing to do.
4: I'm, I'm not putting it down. It's all good. Rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Finally, rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts. You see Ray wearing one. I'm wearing one as well. Or mugs or what have you, any type of merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to check back all the time because we're coming up with new ideas for merch every single day. Sometimes we'll even put them on the store.
3: We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Dr. Doom and, of course, save the universe. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win Show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me.
2: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.
4: Hey, look, you're a busy guy. So stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics and really built to work together.
3: From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button-ups and shorts, underwear and beyond, Mack Weldon
4: makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure, or wherever your summer takes you. I like to dress comfortably, and a lot of the high-end clothing I've got looks really good, but you know, just isn't that comfortable to wear. Luckily, Mack Weldon solved that problem. I recently got a pair of radius pants and radius shorts because they're both fantastic, and I gotta tell you, they don't just look great, they feel great too. For the ultimate lazy Sunday, I
3: love my favorite, The Ace Sweatshorts. They have modern tailoring and pair
4: perfectly with their ultra soft, ultra upgraded Pima tees. Buy some time this summer with the Mack Weldon Daily Wear System. For 20% off your first order, visit MackWeldon.com slash whowouldwin and enter promo code Win. That's MackWeldon.com slash whowouldwin, promo code Win for 20% off. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on General Grievous. General Grievous is a Kaleesh warlord
3: turned cyborg who commanded an army of droids during the Clone Wars. He spends his spare time hunting down Jedi warriors. He was created by George Lucas and first appeared in Clone Wars Chapter 20 back in 2004. George Lucas gave his art department instructions to create a new villain with the three-word direction, a droid general. From there, he has appeared as an antagonist in both the Clone Wars animated series as well as the live-action movie. In the canon version, not the fan fiction legend stuff, General Grievous willingly gave up much of his own body to undergo cybernetic enhancements so he could keep up with the Jedi that he hated so much. Grievous can wield up to four lightsabers at the same time. Those lightsabers haven't been taken off the bodies of Jedi that have fallen before him. And fun fact, General Grievous gets very angry when he is compared to robots. But it should be stated that he has something in common with a very famous robot, Bender, the lovable rapscallion from the TV show Futurama. You see, General Grievous has been voiced by four different actors one of which was the voice of Bender, John DiMaggio. No word yet as to whether Grievous has ever opted to start his own Star Wars, you know, with Blackjack and anything else. That is General Grievous.
4: You know, I think Bender would be a fantastic lieutenant for uh, General Grievous. Oh, I he really would do it do. in a heartbeat. It would, be fant- it would just be great. Okay, well done, right? Here are the details for the Green Ranger. The original Green Ranger, a.k.a. Tommy Oliver, first appeared in 1993 on episode 17 of season one, of the iconic Mighty Morphin Power Rangers called Green with Evil Part 1 Out of Control and was played by the one and only Jason David Frank. Tommy Oliver appeared one day in Angel Grove where he quickly distinguished himself as a high-level martial artist in a karate tournament. Seemingly just another teenager, Tommy soon revealed that he was in fact the evil Green Ranger created by Rita Repulsa to destroy the Power Rangers. After numerous battles, the Green Ranger breaks free of Rita Repulsa's spell and joins the forces of good, becoming the most powerful member of the Power Rangers before continuing his adventures as the White Ranger, as well as other iterations of Power Rangers in numerous series. And here's an interesting fact about the Power Rangers. Did you know the series itself was only supposed to last one season? It's true. The Power Rangers TV show was only ever meant to go get one season before wrapping up, as in one and done. No plans for season two wow. when they started season one. What's Yeah, it's crazy. So it's a bizarre thought, right? And looking back at how it's still going strong, that was always the original idea of just one season. They were working on season one. Saban, who licensed all that stuff from Japan, thought, hey, this is a really quick cash grab. We'll get some kids to watch this. We'll get some advertising behind it, whatever. It's super cheap to produce. We'll do one season. We'll make it forgettable, and then we'll move on. Oddly enough, it wasn't so forgettable and turned into both a ratings and merchandise juggernaut which then led to season two. By the way, speaking of only one season, the Green Ranger was only supposed to be around for season one. Just like the actual series, he was so popular they had to bring him back and then bring him back uh, and then kept bringing him back over and over. Because why not? He's awesome. That's the interesting fact about the Green Power Ranger. Now you have the facts on both opponents. Phil, do you have any questions before we get started?
5: Oh my God, where do I start? So there's he's a Kalish Warlord General Grievous. What's up with Kalish? I don't know anything about Kalish. I'm a Star Wars guy. I've never heard of Kalish.
3: You know, it's it's a race of creatures. So he was a sentient okay. being who then wanted to be more powerful. So he allowed other beings to replace his, his non-vital parts with robot parts, thus effectively turning him into a cyborg. There have been different stories uh, to relate to that, but many of them are this legend stuff that we don't talk about anymore.
5: That's totally fair. And Green Ranger, high-level martial artist. What kind of martial arts are we talking about? Judo, taekwondo? Well,
4: it's interesting. So they say his base form. You got to remember, I'm an MMA and martial arts nerd, right? Love it. So here's the deal. His base form is karate. They didn't actually say what style of karate. I'm assuming it was Shotokan because back then, Shotokan karate was like a big thing and available everywhere. However, he's shown to have uh, knowledge of submissions, of throws, of takedowns, boxing and american kickboxing even a little bit of muay thai with some of the knees and elbows he throws
5: whoa there we go love it all right good continue i'm good I'll, i'm gonna question
4: i love it okay so we have a judge that's so into this it's already awesome ray go ahead and hit us with your point number one
3: point number one let's just talk about some of the basics of general grievous because he originally got trained by a guy named count dooku look you get a chance to be trained by christopher lee You're gonna take that opportunity. Soramon trains you in the ways of the dark arts? Yes, please. Well, he got trained in not one, not two, not three, but every single style of lightsaber fighting from Count Dooku, a high-level Sith master, master. And because he's got a robot brain enhancement, he was able to very quickly learn every single style of lightsaber combat, allowing him to effortlessly change which style he needs to use, based on the style that he sees his opponent using. What that also means is he's very, very good at understanding combat as it's unfolding in front of him. So when he sees Tommy start ripping out some sort of karate stuff, he's going to understand immediately in his computer brain what type of lightsaber stance, what type of moves, what type of combat style he's going to need in order to defeat this. Because as great as the Green Ranger is, he's not going to be doing anything that General Grievous hasn't seen before on a battlefield. So he's gonna have an inherent advantage right there. Also, he uses four lightsabers at the same time. Now, these are four lightsabers, as I said before, that he took off the bodies of dead Jedi that he killed. So he has four (laughs) Jedi-powered, I know Kyber crystal, but Jedi-powered lightsabers And he wields all four of them at the same time or two of them at the same time or three of them at the same time. He varies it up based on what he needs in the moment, because one really cool thing that he does is he might start with just one or two lightsabers and keep the other arms free. So one move that he likes to do a lot is he likes to use the lightsabers and then lock up the weapons with his opponent and then have two extra arms his opponent's not ready for pulling out blasters and taking the shot grabbing the person and throwing that person over his shoulder with very high robotic strength. He likes to do stuff that the other people aren't ready for, and he uses the the ideas of the combat to his advantage. In fact, he's been seen to move faster than the eye can see. In combat, that's really excellent. It means that he can dodge blaster fire all the time. It means he's extremely agile and can get himself in position. We've seen him kind of working a lot like Spider-Man in that he's crawling on the walls, crawling on the ceiling. He's got a grappling hook so he could pull himself up, like with the webs that Spider-Man would use. We've seen him get very, very low to the ground and kind of crab walk, but very, very quickly and with full knowledge of the area around him. So as far as mobility goes, he's going to have it over Tommy, even though I know he is a very agile fighter as well. Heck, General Grievous is a great general. He takes troops into battles and he wins those battles. That's what he does. So he understands tactically what he needs to do. The last things to talk about right here is the lightsabers. These are powerful. Heck, a lightsaber is normally something I'd wait to use later, but I got better stuff. How exciting. But a lightsaber cuts through everything. What do we think a lightsaber doesn't cut through? On this show, we figured out like vibranium, adamantium, and and beskar armor. I think those are the things that a lightsaber can't have. Well, Tommy doesn't have any of those things at his disposal. So when we can pull out four lightsabers and start coming after him, he's going to be in deep trouble. And also, since he's a robot, has other advantages. He's got magnets in his talons, sharp feet. So if we're fighting in any kind of a metallic area, a spaceship, or what have you, if he starts getting knocked around, he can anchor himself down to the ground, allowing himself not to be thrown around by the Green Ranger using this Kung Fu. How do you do judo throws on somebody who's magnetized to the floor? The answer is you don't, you get surprised, and you get blastered by a custom DT-57 annihilator grievous has got this
4: many different ways and that's my point number one a couple of things so first of all what's interesting about count dooku is that he was a master really his mastery was in the saber style of fighting with a lightsaber if you look at the hilt of his lightsaber there's a curve to it so he's holding it with his kind of a curve in his wrist with his index finger held out it's actually my favorite style to use for knife fighting saber style right which is great his style of training however wasn't like, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. Oh, no, no, no. It was about aggression. This was documented in the cartoon series that that, that was right before the Clone Wars uh, CGI series, where it was all about aggression. You've got to train hard. You've got to come at the person harder. Now, listen, he's definitely got skill, but it was all about aggressively pushing the fight, something that the Green Ranger is going to love to kind of take on. Furthermore, let's kind of go with this. Unfortunately, I hate to say this, not all Jedi are built the same. So, some Jedi, all Jedi, I think, are fantastic, but some are definitely lower level than others. So, for example, is he taking lightsabers from Obi-Wan Kenobi? Is he taking a lightsaber from Anakin Skywalker, Darth Maul, Mace Windu? All people who could definitely take him on, and who some of them who actually have. Uh, no, when he's uh, facing against a higher level uh, opponent with a lightsaber, especially because he's not someone with the Force, he has major, major problems. And then finally, in terms of speed, I would actually have to give that to you. I do think he's got a lot of Spider-Man-like moves. I don't think he's as fast or as strong as Spider-Man. But then when you look at what the Green Ranger can do, he can actually move faster and is stronger than Spider-Man. So it doesn't stack up quite that well. With all that being said, let me get to my point number one. And let's talk about Tommy's fighting abilities and his power. So right off the get-go, for my point number one, you got to understand that Tommy Oliver is a third-degree black belt in karate, right? I think he's, what, 16, 17 at the time. We first meet him, he's taking on the Red Ranger in his uh, civilian form, and they actually fight to a draw. Actually, Tommy was ahead the whole time until the very end. It was a draw, everything was cool. That's what you start off with. So how good of a fighter is Tommy Oliver before he even turns into the Green Ranger? Just take him by himself. Now, in a later episode of Season 1, I think it was probably possibly even the beginning of Season 2, Tommy Oliver finds himself fighting against this creature named Goldar. Goldar was that kind of cat-lion-looking dude. With the big wings and everything made of gold with a big sword. He's like, I read out to you know, talk like that sailor with a bad throat, whatever. So, this is Tom Oliver fighting him just by himself, no Power Ranger, no nothing. He's completely depowered. He's a regular human being taking on possibly the great one of the strongest creatures Rita Pulse has. What does Tommy do? He beats him. He beats him. He beats Goldar completely, takes out this teleporter thing away from Goldar, teleports him away, totally wins. That's without anything that's base form Tommy Oliver. That's pretty impressive. Now, let's say he actually gets the power from the, you know, Zordon and from the Power Rangers. So before you actually get put on your Power Ranger uniform, you get based, you know, you get bathed in these uh energies or whatever it is from Zordon and from the Power Rangers and what have you. So that way you're still super powerful before you even take on anyone when you put on the uniform. So, according to the official Power Rangers wiki, this is a quote. Each of the Power Rangers experiences initial boost to their physical abilities once they expose the energy of the morphing grid. Their senses and agility undergo a potent enhancement. However, the physical enhancements result in a 30 times amplification to their baseline strength, speed, and durability. 30 times. But here's another fun fact. Once they actually morph into their armor, they get an additional five times on top of the 30. So in other words, 150 times enhancement that means if Tommy can I don't know let's say he can lift 200 pounds that's not crazy 150 times I think that's at uh, 15 tons right about there or something close to 10 tons it's insane so he can run now at say 15 miles let's say if you have to fly that 30 miles per hour or 50 miles per hour he can run multiply that by 30 times uh, he's running it now 220 miles per hour in his armor by the way as a martial arts and fighters reflexes now 150 times faster as well that's your baseline Tommy Oliver in the armor and the biggest power amplification, actually may be his durability because he tanks lasers, super powerful swords that can shoot blasts of energy that also laser swords as well. Explosions, falls from hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air, magic-based attacks, you can name it. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb right here, and I'm going to say, can Tommy Oliver, as the Green Ranger, with everything he has, which I'll describe later, can he take a lightsaber shot, like a swing and a hit from a lightsaber? Yes. Can he take 10 of them? No. But he can definitely, well, he's definitely shown he can take and has that durability to take something that powerful, that powerful of an energy blast at least three, possibly even four times. So to be clear, our starting point for the Green Ranger, well, out of his Power Ranger armor with no weapons, is someone who has super strength, super speed, super agility, and can beat one of those powerful villains in the history of the Power Ranger show. Put on his armor, give him another five times application. That's where we're starting out at. The last time General Grievous fought someone who had much less physical comparable stats to that Ray was the last battle he ever had. That was with Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's my point. Number one,
3: Look, you're saying some things right there. And I don't know why you're taking a run at Jedi's so much. Oh, most Jedi's are actually puke. Most Jedi's are actually terrible. And those are the ones that general Grievous defeated. No, if you're a Jedi, you have a high base level of power. So I don't want you to be out here disparaging Jedi's on my watch, but When you say, I think that he could take a lightsaber shot with his armor, but not 10, that's fantastic because most lightsabers are being wielded by humans or humanoid type creatures who are limited in their strength, you know? Not necessarily a super enhanced robot cyborg who is coming with a much higher degree of strength than any of these other people are. So when you say I could take one, but not 10, what you're saying is I couldn't take one hit from General Grievous with this lightsaber.
4: I couldn't not absolutely maybe disagree possibly with you more or not.
3: Now I'm confused.
4: There you go. Here's the thing. General Grievous, and then I'll kind of move on from here. General Grievous is like someone, you know, we see this in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's someone who comes in. It's a really strong brown belt. And they make a career out of tapping out blue belts, which is your first rank as an adult in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And that's not bad. That's actually pretty impressive. But the moment they go after another or have to spar against another brown belt the same level or never mind a black belt, who may have superior technique, not only do they fall apart, they fall apart badly. That's the best way I can describe General Grievous. Now, with all this being said, Phil, we, you've now heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at with this battle?
5: Well, geez, I mean, after listening to Ray, I thought General Grievous was almost unstoppable, right? Like, beating Jedi and then having four lightsabers and taking taken off a of fault, like unbelievable stats and not only that but being able to mirror any enemy immediately and being a tactical general like he sounded like a perfect fighting and killing machine hmm. but then i was shocked when you came back with the green ranger having 150 times the power of an already amazing fighter like 150 times is non-trivial like i would say if somebody came up to me and said i was twice as strong. As a black belt, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm running away. 150 times is like, you're starting to talk about like Superman powers there. That's like
4: a James Gabsy level. Like, it's unheard- that's really,
5: it's, it's, yeah, there you go. It's James level. So I've got to say, right now, I feel like the Green Ranger is edging out a little bit. I would love to see, I want it to be tested to see if he could take 10 lightsaber hits. When you said that, I was like, I don't know. Like, lightsabers can cut through steel, they've cut through doors. So I'm a little weird about that. But, you know, I think that right now Green Ranger is pulling slightly ahead right now of General Grievous.
4: Hmm. Hmm. Okay, we're both coming out swinging really strong. There's a lot of emotional content, angst, if you will, that's no longer hidden. That's coming out in both of our points, which makes me just really interested in what you've got for your point number two. With that being said, Ray, go ahead and hit us with, I believe, is going to be a knockout blow with your point number two.
3: It always is. Point number two for General Grievous. Let's just talk about some of the great things that he's done and his greatness because, Phil, one thing that I want to talk about here is that you can be very, very strong. You can be 150 times the strength of a black belt. A lightsaber is still going to cut you in half if it has the opportunity to. So while you might be able to lift very heavy rocks, those rocks and the person holding it can still be absolutely defeated with this tremendous weapon from the future past future, okay? Some of the things that General Grievous has done with the lightsabers, he's been known to repel blaster fire with his lightsabers. So any kind of these energy attacks that Tommy's going to be trying to throw at him, because let's face it, Power Rangers do that stuff, he's going to be able to just use his lightsabers and knock all this out of the way. Heck, I believe one time I saw General Grievous start spinning around in a circle, taking advantage of the fact that he's a robot at the end of the day and not a human limited by human physicality. So he can make moves and come from angles and, and do spinning moves and whatever that humans are just not prepared for, nor can they mimic or or, or deal with in any possible way. One time I saw him, General Grievous, that "Is backhand Ahsoka Tano. Now, she's going to be very, very huge in the Star Wars universe, but she is already huge in the animated spheres. Very, very popular character. Well, General Grievous backhanded her and knocked her 50 feet across the room. So you want to talk about a, how strong these characters are, General Grievous is no slouch in the strength department. Ahsoka Tano is a great fighter and she is a previous winner on the Who Would Win show. I'm regretting that. But she also has a high deal of strength to her. And if you can send her flying with just a simple backhand, what else can you do? Heck, one time we saw General Grievous push through four Mandalorians at the same time in order to get through a hallway. He just overpowered four of them simultaneously. And in fact, he stepped on the helmet of a Mandalorian one time. Mandalorian armor's made of Beskar, one of the strongest substances in Star Wars, well, his foot cracked the helmet that the Mandalorian was wearing, so he has crazy levels of strength to match what Tommy Oliver is throwing. Heck, one time, one of my favorite things, he locked in with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Look, that was his big kryptonite in the Star Wars world. He defeated everybody he came across, or at least broke even with them, except for Obi-Wan Kenobi, who at the end of the final fight, yes, did defeat him, unfortunately, but He did pull off a great move where they were locking lightsabers like you always do, where you see them holding each other and then they're talking and doing the thing. But then General Grievous remembered, I have two extra hands. He grabbed Obi-Wan Kenobi and then flipped him and threw him over his shoulder. During the middle of this, four hands makes a difference to a character who knows how to use him. He also has the durability of a robot. Look, at the end of the day, Tommy is a very powerful human, but he is still a human. So all these shots, all these lightsaber hits and everything are going to cause damage. But we've seen General Grievous get his hands cut off. We've seen him take massive abashing damage. We've seen him get hit all manner of different ways and it does not stop him because he is a cyborg, but he really doesn't seem to feel any pain. He's able to push through that and I don't know with Tommy being a human, he will be able to. Another strength feat. There was a character named Talzin who was putting up a force field and that force field was taking electricity, uh, dark energy shots from the emperor from emperor Palpatine. And what happened? General Grievous just walked through the force field in order to get where he needed to go. If you can block force lightning for the emperor, but general Grievous can still walk right through you. What kind of a force field is Tommy going to have with this armor? That's going to do anything against this character whatsoever. The answer is not a whole heck of a lot, because at the end of the day, General Grievous has the tactics and still has the equipment to
4: deal with anything Tommy can do and not the other way around. And that's my point. Number two, you should write like a menu for a restaurant where they could serve like, you know, it's a glass of water. And then you would, with based off the description it would be, and this water came from the hands of, you know, of who are pouring this pitcher of blessed da. da, da. the way you describe what general Grievous can do. And the, I don't want to say the, the, Exposition, whatever you want to call it, the way you expand upon it, I got to tell you, it was really, it was lovely to listen to. It was completely wrong in every way, shape, and form, but it was really fun to to listen to. So, James, uh, I, kudos I've been writing a lot of resumes recently, so I've I've learned this art. That's good. I like it. So, a couple of questions: When ahsoka sokatana was backhanded, you know, and maybe it was fifty feet, maybe it was much less. What happened more. after? What happened after? Obviously, she hit the ground. Got it. So. But that's, uh, gravity is a real problem sometimes. So she got back up and continued on the fight. So that's cool. You backhanded someone, I think. And how old was she during this fight? This is horrible of me bringing this up. Was she a full adult at the time, like 17? Was she 14? When was Ahsoka Tano not dangerous, James? She was more dangerous later in the episode. With that being said, the other thing I need to correct you on is not all Mandalorians have Beskar armor. You gotta remember, Beskar armor is very, or Beskar itself is very, very rare in the Star Star Wars universe. A little bit like, vibranium in terms of rarity mandalorians have powerful armor but it's not beskar it's not adamantium light but we don't know for a
3: fact it wasn't beskar in
4: this particular example i don't know for a fact that you couldn't pick up a tank but i'm pretty sure based off the evidence and availability of all the materials that you couldn't also yeah we do know for a fact i checked we can check the marvel uh, star wars marvel wiki and kind of see that they didn't have it all right all interesting facts uh that That's right, that you said there, Ray. Let me get to my point number two. Let's talk about the weapons, the magic, yes, the magic, and the awesome armor of the green Power Ranger. So as I mentioned before, you uh, activate the armor on top of getting bathed in the energy from the Power Ranger grid, whatever you want to call it, and you have a 150 times increase. However, the amplification also acts in another direction. You also get an increase, a huge increase in fighting ability, fighting knowledge, fighting tactics, and you're an instant master of using any weapon that your armor comes with. Now, the best way to give an example of this, in the first season of Money Morphin Power Rangers, there was a character named Billy, who was kind of like the science, the, the intelligence behind the team. Although I still think that was Trini, the Yellow Ranger. But with that being said, you know, Billy's kind of like the geeky character and has had no fighting ability whatsoever. Well, all of a sudden, Billy downloads, gets this download because he puts on the Power Ranger armors, the Blue Ranger. And all of a sudden, he's a fighting master. You take someone who's never thrown a punch before, really, put on the armor, and they are a fighting master, part of one of the greatest fighting teams of all time. What do you think happens when you do that to a third-degree black belt in karate who can already take on Goldar without any Power Ranger armor and give them an increase and what have you? See, this is the thing. The green Power Ranger was immediately has always been listed as the most powerful of all the Rangers, even though the Rangers are super powerful, and pretty much edging out all of them, especially the Red Rangers, being the best fighter, which is kind of crazy. Now, with all that being said, they also get some weapons. So with the Green Ranger, he's no exception. He has a few really cool things. He has something called the Dragon Dagger. This is a dagger that he plays like a flute sometimes. And when he played it, that would summon the giant, you know, dragon-looking Godzilla Zord. Now, of course, that Zord's not part of the play. But a couple of cool things. So first of all, the signature weapon of the Dragon uh, Dagger, it's a blade. It's capable of firing a blast of green energy that is super powerful. And it can also shoot bolts of Emerald Lightning at targets. Really, really cool stuff. And on top of that, when he plays it like a flute, there's one scene where he was taking on the Red Ranger, and the Red Ranger's point blank shooting at him, you know, square off with his laser blaster, ba, ba, ba. And it was actually really cool. The Green Ranger is just playing his flute, and you hear the dun, 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 whatever, and he's walking straight at the Red Ranger like a badass. None of the shots could even come near, him. everything's deflecting off of him. That's a magical shield he's got. See, here's the thing. That it's not just science it's also a little bit of magic that powers the power rangers armor he's also got that blaster it's that personal sidearm that all the rangers have and that can take the form of a sword or a gun and in sword form it can deflect energy blasts. we've seen him do it it can also turn like red hot as well and turns an energy sword can shoot blasts of energy and it can also cut through power ranger armor it's pretty impressive finally there's the dragon shield and that's that golden shield that kind of vest like thing that the Green Ranger has. And to make things really interesting, see, the Power Ranger is all about amplification and boost of energy, right? So he's already got 300 times, you know, or 150 times that energy boost. Well, the Power Shield, not to be left out of this whole game, boosts his power or his durability, power and durability, I should say, another two times. So 150 times two, that's a 300 power amplification of what he's got. That's why he was so powerful. That's why when you look at the stats, he's head and, uh, you know, shoulders above all the other Rangers so with the dragon shield with the 300 times more powerful and fashion durable capability the all his weapons everything he can do that's why he can take a shot from a um, a lightsaber now here's the deal there's an episode where he takes a shot from someone's energy sword and that energy sword from that same creature when it grows big can cut through a sword now that sword is a you know big huge kaiju sized thing or mech what you what have you 300 feet tall whatever weighing how many thousands of tons Shrink that down to person size. That definitely has the power of a lightsaber. That couldn't cut through Tommy Oliver's Green Ranger armor with the dragon shield. That's why I say he can take several shots from a lightsaber. Put all that together, and that's my point number two.
3: Okay, so the Green Ranger is is powerful. You keep adding numbers on top of numbers, and at a certain point. Math doesn't mean anything anymore. Those items that you were referring to, the Dragon Shield, is that considered part of Green Ranger's standard gear? Or is that something that if he knows he needs it ahead of time, he has to go back and
4: bring with him? Great question. Now, it is his standard gear. When we argued the Red Ranger, if you remember that episode, that was something in a couple episodes, he did call upon the Green Ranger's Dragon Shield to wear for himself as a power upgrade and power boost. With that being said, that shield, and I did check, checked a bunch of episodes, That is a common. Accoutrement, if you will, for the Green Ranger.
3: That's fine. At, at the end of the day, we're talking about the difference between you, James, you know combat. Plate armor had to evolve a weapon called the rapier because plate armor couldn't just be beaten down with these maces and these swords. However, a little sticky weapon could find the little holes in where the plate armor was for mobility's sake necessary, and the person could stab the person on the insides. So while Tommy does have some of these shields, General Grievous is going to be able to find a weak point. General Grievous is gonna be able to see his opponent and figure out through the course of the battle where he needs to hit. And he's gonna make a point of it to hit that spot many, many times. You know, one thing I wanna talk about, and I'm glad you brought it up, is the fact that these Green Ranger powers are magically based. And that is kind of important, that these are magically based powers because in one of the episodes, Rita Repulsa created a green candle, which she burned because she's the one who gave Tommy the Green Ranger powers. And she was able to burn this candle, which was attached to his powers. And when the candle was to burn all the way down, she would have absorbed all of the Green Ranger's powers for herself. Why do I bring this up? Because one, we've seen the Power Rangers get depowered many, many, many times in combat, enough times that it's at least worth mentioning in this battle. But two, General Grievous has fought Jedi before and fought lots of Jedi before. And he knows how to deal with people who have magic-based powers. And he's been able to
4: get over on magical characters many, many times before. Ah, that's. I'm glad you brought that up. I will be talking more about that in my point number three. Here's the thing. So the reason why I'm not even counting the green candle, because that was something that was brought in. So the Green Ranger's evil when he's brought into the series, correct? Mm -hmm. And then he gets unevil and stays with the Rangers. Now, what happened in the show is that, hey... We want to keep the Green Ranger around, but we need to kind of do something. What is the footage from Japan that we can use for the Green? Ah, we'll turn him into the White Ranger. So, okay, got it. So what do we have? That's where they came up with that device of the candle to rob him of his powers. But then what happened if he got robbed of his powers? He turned into something more powerful. Are you saying I should bring in the White Ranger as well into this? Talking about amplifications? I'm trying to hold you to your own words. You said you were not bringing up the White Ranger. So I'm afraid you can't. Okay, well, that's fair. So what I'm talking about is the green ranger before the green candle. You're mm-hmm. welcome. By the way, don't be afraid of math, Ray. Embrace Ray, amplification, multiplication. Math is your friend. It can do lots of great things for you.
3: Can I just say, I think we might have a new t-shirt to put in the store. Uh, Let's become unevil.
4: I think that it's a great phrase you just said, and I think that needs to be emblazoned on merch. I like that. I also like the word nonsense. Erase the Canis original. and. S-E-N-S-E-N. Embrace spelling, James. Uh, Listen, I got enough room for math. That's it. Okay, Phil, you've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. We're now at that magical point of the show called the turning point. This is where you tell us who you think is ahead in this battle and what the other side has to do to pull out the victory.
5: You know, I got to say, Ray actually made a really excellent point there. You know, like being able to spin in a circle, being able to combat against magical powers. I do believe that uh, it's true that although they don't know if they're wearing Beskar armor. So it could have just been like an aluminum helmet that he smashed. The force field can't be faked. Right. And if the emperor's lightning wasn't able to go through it, and then he was able to walk through it unscathed. That's pretty pop- We're starting to talk like Superman powers for general yeah. Grievous all of a sudden, which I, I find to be pretty compelling. You know, I have to say though, the green Ranger has a lot going for him too, though. I did not know about the dragon dagger and the dragon shield. Math on math on math, but math works, right? Another two X 300 times. Like when a human being gets shot with a bullet, they don't always die. If you had 300 times the defense, the bullet wouldn't have a prayer, right? So it would take a whole lot of power to get through it. However, I got to say, I think General Grievous pulled ahead just a little bit when I started hearing about more of the Superman powers. You mix that with top of the tactics being able to mirror your opponent, being able to have four arms, being able to have magnets to protect yourself to the ground. It renders some of the karate useless. I think general Grievous just barely might be able to edge out that 300 X defense difference.
4: Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Smart. Okay. Smart. Interesting. I just, you know, I just hope I have something, something somewhere to kind of sway this over. Okay. This is good. This is good, Ray. I love a good chess match. I love a good back and forth. You're not disappointing whatsoever. So with all that said, go ahead and hit us with your point number three.
3: Point number three and where we really bring it home is the fact that Grievous is a Jedi killer. This is where he has his fun. He goes around the galaxy finding Jedi and murdering them. Jedi are the most dangerous people in the universe and he tracks them for sport because of his pure hatred and rage. Now, One of the battles that I thought was one of the most fascinating out of the animated series was he defeated a Jedi master named Adi Galea, if I'm pronouncing that right. Well, he won a one-on-one combat. Well, that's fine. But he won this one-on-one combat in the middle of a corridor that was having a firefight happening during both sides of the corridor. People shooting at each other, and they're fighting in the middle of a gunfire battle. And he was able to dodge all the gunfire. And at the same time, well, blaster fire and at the same time defeat a Jedi. Why? Because his robot brain, because he's able to think that much faster and take all the environment in and is able to create plans on the fly as it goes. A- another move, and I said it before, but he locks blades with a Jedi Knight named Nadar Veb, and while locking it, just like with Obi-Wan Kenobi, he just pulls out his super powerful blaster and shoots him in the gut a few times, taking him out. He's not afraid to play a little dirty. He's not afraid to pull this out. In fact, Jedi that he's been able to fight evenly or defeat. Ahsoka Tano, Kit Fisto, Darth Maul, and he even took Obi-Wan's ship from him after winning a battle. He was able to steal his ride. He was able to take the pink in this Fast and Furious (laughs) adjacent battle against Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, Obi-Wan would eventually be the one to end his life. As far as we know, he might come back. It's Star Wars. That's what happens. What the heck? But we do know that he took his ship and and Obi-Wan was not happy about that either, I would also point out. It said in one of the lore pieces I read that countless Jedi have fallen to his hands. What does that mean? It means I could count to a pretty high number. And at first I thought, well, General Grievous, what's he killed, like 20? I don't know. I don't know the actual final answer because he does it so much and so often that people lost track of how many Jedi he's gone out and killed. And that means something. Because any of those Jedi could have gotten lucky against him, like, uh, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi did later, but they didn't. Nobody got lucky. He was able to kill every single one of them. I mean, heck, he took the lightsaber of a Jedi Master named Jamar. If you could not only kill a Jedi Master, but take his lightsaber and use it to kill other Jedi Masters, we're talking about the real Jedi deal here there are names of the other characters the other jedi that he's taken but i'm so bad at pronouncing star wars names i don't want to do that to our listening public let's just say that as i said before each each lightsaber he wields is from a powerful jedi opponent there's another example where grievous decided to fight six jedi at the same time now look there's a lot of great feats out there fighting a jedi one and one usually means you're gonna die Fighting a Jedi one-on-one usually means they're going to defeat you, or at the very least, knock you down who would win style so that they can get away undamaged. He decided he was going to fight six Jedi all by himself. Well, he ended up killing two of them. He ended up injuring two of them, and I believe the other two just got away. Now, you fight one Jedi, it's a problem. You fight six Jedi and get over on four of them while the other two run. He's just got too much going for him, as much as I love the Power Rangers. As much as I love the Green Ranger, look, he's very, very powerful. He's very, very strong. He has great knowledge of martial arts. The thing is, the lightsaber is the ultimate equalizer in this battle. He moves faster than the eye can see in combat, which means to James's point, he doesn't think Tommy can take 10 hits. Well, Grievous can give you 10 hits in about 1.5 seconds with the way he wields these blades. So all he's really got to do is get in close. He's just going to dodge a little bit that Tommy throws at him, which he can do and he's going to bring down the Green Ranger. Sorry to say, kids at home, but General Grievous easily takes this battle, and that's my point number three.
4: Interesting. So I need some clarification on this. When General Grievous took on the six Jedi, was this during the 2D animated show before the Clone Wars? That feels right to me, yeah. Okay, so let, let me provide a little bit more clarification. These six Jedi were completely surrounded. They had already been battered. They were already bruised, beaten up. One was kind of out of it physically. Another one was just like, uh, you know, about to fall unconscious from all the trauma. And they were completely surrounded, trying to find refuge in this wreckage. They were completely surrounded by the droid army, all training their guns on them. And General Grievous says, hey, I'm going to have some fun and go in there after them. Not really this cool, hey, there's six Jedi, let me jump in. Tell me when a Jedi is not to be feared in
3: battle, James.
4: When, when two can't move and two are scared, two of them, and there were two that were like, cool, those are the two that ran away. There was one Jedi during that whole encounter who was so freaked out, he just ran outside and just got, like, torn well, apart. I'd be freaked
3: out, too, if General Grievous was coming at me. I don't blame Tommy for heading to the hills.
4: Uh, and also, James, let me say, how dare you do so much research that you don't let me get away with half-truths? That's fair. Now, here's the thing. I actually would take on uh, General Grievous because I know a little secret about his, but I'll get to that in a second. Now, when General Grievous Grievous had to face off against Mace Windu, what happened?
3: Well, Mace Windu was able to uh, use the force to crush his lungs, creating the coughing effect you see later. That's right. And did uh, General Grievous then
4: kind of continue the fight or did he take off?
3: General Grievous decided that the better thing was to step away because when you're up against Samuel (laughs) L.
4: Jackson, uh, all bets are off. Got it. And then when he took on... Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm talking about the very first part of that fight in the uh, Revenge of the Sith movie in 2005, that very first fight scene that opened up and Obi-Wan kind of jumps down where he's, I I didn't think it was a good idea tactically, and he's surrounded by droids and General Grievous is there. He's literally surrounded by all of the army and he takes him on. Why didn't Obi, why didn't General Grievous kind of finish him off there? You know, because you have the
3: advantage of all the droids around you. You don't need to show off. It's like the first encounter. You want to do that later
4: on. You let the droids take care of it and see if he's even worth your time. So when he was worth his time, because he took out a bunch of droids, what happened there? He got lucky. Got very lucky. got lucky. And then did General Grievous kind of stick around and, and fight it out? You know, showing his bravery and his and like how badass he was. He didn't need to because why? He had two lightsabers cut off from his hands and he took off. See, here's the thing I'm going to get to. General Grievous unfortunately has a history of when things get tough he runs for the hills. By the way, smart strategy. Not putting him down for that, but things are definitely going to get tough for him with the Green Ranger. Now, let me get to my point number three and all this will become clear. Now, we got to keep talking about the powers or the abilities that the Green Ranger has, especially with his armor. Now, one thing he can do is teleport. This is a game changer. Now, sometimes you see the Green Ranger move, you know, the opponents right in front of them. He uses the teleporter to move and all of a sudden it looks like he went the flash like flash speed behind him, but he appears behind him. No, no, he just teleported from one spot to another Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger's weaponized teleportation. Not only can he get out of the way of things, but he can teleport from one spot behind the opponent and then start fighting them from an angle they just didn't see coming. Another way they can do it, and Tommy this before, is battlefield removal, where he was fighting the Red Ranger and took him up to Rita Repulse's uh, base on the moon, and left him there, and he was all kind of screwed up, got beat up by Goldar, what have you, and he came back down. So he's got a couple of cool ways he can use teleportation to absolutely just beat General Grievous super, super quickly. Let's keep going with this. So, Like I said, he's got big wins with teleportation, but let's talk more about more big wins. So the Green Ranger's got a lot of wins, but the one that really impresses me the most is when he fought all five of the other Power Rangers at the same time and beat them. He took on all of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers while, you know, he was still evil, so just a Green Ranger, took them all on at the same time. They were shooting him, using swords, using every energy weapon, all their tactics, their techniques. Everyone was coming at him, and what was really cool is he was laughing the whole time took them all out. That was really cool. By the way, when he turned good, he retained all of that ability and badassery. He supersized himself because you know the great thing about the Power Rangers, you beat that evil monster and all of a sudden they grow into a Godzilla-sized monster. By the way, they should just start out that size anyway to save us some time. So all of a sudden, Tommy says, oh really, the Power Rangers go into their Megazord, the original one, which is really cool. Tommy said, gotcha. Instead of calling the Dragonzord, he supersizes himself and takes on the uh, Megazord. Now what's really cool about that, on a personal note, I've always wondered how I would do against Godzilla or King Kong if I could be 300 meters tall like they are, 300 feet tall. Who knows? Maybe another who would win battle. But he actually answered that for himself and just grew. He wasn't in a mech or anything. It's just him with his sword. And he started beating the Megazord with his sword that he could turn into a laser sword, blocking everything. I mean, remember, the Megazord has that, uh, you know, forming, what's that name of the sword? We need the power sword now, whatever it is, can cut through everything. That wasn't even really effect on the Green Ranger. Again, why I say the lightsaber won't be a big deal. Now, there's really four things, and that doesn't include all the crazy monsters he had to take out himself that were sent down by Rita Repulsa, who was really ticked that he turned on her. Now, let's shift the focus here, because there's four weaknesses that General Grievous has that's going to be the downfall of General Grievous in this fight. So the first one, he's got a little bit of a coughing problem. That's when Mace Windu, as Ray said, squeezed his armor into his insidey places and now he can't breathe that well. According to the Star Wars wiki, he has a form of asthma. His stamina is super, super low. That's why he's so aggressive in his fighting style. He needs to end things quickly. The longer the fight goes, the less stamina he has. That's why he ran, according again the Star Wars wiki, that's why he ran away from Obi-Wan Kenobi when the fight lasted for more than about a minute and a half, which is definitely what the Green Ranger. Now, put that against the superhuman Green Ranger stamina. Again, he's got 300 times the stamina of a regular karate master this is not going to bode well. So when you think about stamina from Green Ranger versus stamina of General Grievous, it's already horribly mismatched. Now, the third thing, real easy, is that his chest plate, General Grievous' chest plate, is easily open. In his fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan did get in close to General Grievous, not using the Force, not using anything else. He just puts his hands into the chest plate and pries it open. That is a design flaw. When you can put your hands into a chest plate, open it up, to reveal the inside he places, that is not a good thing. By the way, he did feel pain when laser blasts were hitting him in the chest, and that was already starting to break apart his chest plate as well. Very, very easily open. The moment that's open, anything that goes into there is going to wreck the rest of his internal organs, and he's done. But the biggest problem, one I've already hinted towards, the biggest problem of all is that when things don't go well for General Grievous, like they did against Mace Windu, against Obi-Wan Kenobi, even very often during Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the CGI series, when all of a sudden his troops, he didn't have the advantage anymore, he turned tail and ran. That is his strategy. It's a good strategy. It's kept him alive for a long time until he faced Obi-Wan. But what's he going to do when he faces off against someone who can take him spinning around really fast, who can hit him you know, and, and match him and actually has better strength, better speed, better fighting tactics, all of the above, and now is starting to damage him? Well, he has a track record, a history, if you will, of churning tail and getting out of there and making a strategic retreat if it's not smart for him to stay in there. The Green Ranger, however, is a fighting machine. He's noble, at least at this point, and he's going to continue the fight until he gets the win. Whether it's battlefield removal, bashes him or destroys him with his, you know, power ranger techniques, he's getting the win no matter what. With all of that put together, it's pretty easy to see why the Green Power Ranger, Tommy Oliver, gets the win over General Grievous. That's my point number three.
3: James going with a season one argument as his point number three. Oh, he just runs from battle. The thing that won a, or beat Megatron in a battle, and a thing that we all said wasn't really an effective talking point at this point forward. Phil, as judge, you must just understand the oh, he's a bad guy, so he runs away, was been considered by the team to be one of the least effective arguments you can use here in Season 3. So, very well just disregard it. Not surprised James goes back to Season 1 tactics because he's getting his butt beat like it is Season 1 again. Now, you talk about low stamina, we've seen General Grievous fight prolonged fights against Jedi before in, in Clone Wars, cartoon series, the comics, and all the canon worlds. When facing one of these overwhelming, if you're Sam l jackson or if your name you know is on the poster of the thing we're in yes he's probably going to have better discretion at this point but in a who would win battle we posit these two are going and absolutely general grievous at the end of the day is more machine than man and he despite the cough can still keep going in fact obi-wan kenobi opened his chest plate because he had prior knowledge of the situation in a rules of who would win Tommy Oliver's not going to know about this little trick that Obi-Wan does from repeated conflicts against this individual, which eventually led to his downfall. Plus, we've never seen Tommy Oliver grab someone's chest piece and try to yank it off before in a battle. It's just not something that he would do, definitely not in a first encounter. And yes, Tommy defeating five Power Rangers with Rita Repulsa throwing all this extra magical energy on him that he will not have in this battle. Sure, that's impressive when you consider the fact that it's not applicable here. Not just that, when he grew to large uh, amounts due to somebody else's help, he had Goldar. They're helping him kick the butt of the Megazord. So we're talking outside interference. We're talking prior knowledge. All of these things don't apply in a who would win battle. So General Grievous, at the end of the day, has the strikes, and at the end of the day, the
4: lightsaber is too much for a character like Tommy to withstand. You know, what's so interesting about the Power Rangers, I don't know if this is by design or not, is that they all went especially with their laser, their blasters and with the swords, they always went for center mass. Right. I don't I don't get it. And I'm ai love, you know, you know, going to the, the shooting range, what have you. So I noticed this pretty quickly. They all went for center mass all the time. They're not hitting them in the leg. They're not cutting their hands. It's always going to the chest each and every time. That's why that's an effective technique against General Grievous. I'm not saying he's going to know how to pry open. But that's definitely going to affect it. Also, by the way, all the Green Rangers' powers, you're right. They started by re Pulsa, but he kept them. They weren't like extra things. This is all, you know, and again, the tactics, he, we saw him withdraw all the time in the Clone Wars. I'm talking about General Grievous. When he's faced against odds, when he's faced against like, you know, just clone soldiers, and all of a sudden he's like, uh oh, there's a better go. That's just part of what he does. By the way, that's a good strategic military leader. That's part of his MO. So, with all that being said, Race to Canis, you gave three excellent points. I gave three points. Phil, this is now up to you. You've got to tell us who would win this battle. Take us through your process. Tell us a story and tell us who wins between General Grievous and the OG Green Power Ranger.
5: I have to say, I haven't had to do this much math since college. So thank you, gentlemen, for that. <laughs> there are so many forms and so many weapons and so many abilities with these two. It's a lot to keep in your head, but I think that I've got the final match. So. General Grievous, of course, is found on the battlefield, around surrounded by his dead, right? And Tommy, in human form, is ready to face off with him. General Grievous starts walking towards him, crushing either a Mandalorian Beskar helmet or an aluminum or tin helmet in his path. Nothing can stop him as he walks forward to Tommy in his speedy black belt ways. They begin fighting, starting with General Grievous and just, two arms, and two lightsabers. start swinging it around. Of course Tommy can dodge it. He's a super, super fast person even before he has morphin' time. So he's able to get around, but is he able to actually attack? I don't think so, right? In human form without all of his multipliers, you're not gonna do anything with metal. So of course what has to happen? It's morphin' time. 150X, 2X, get to 300X. Now we're ready for a real battle, all right? So now he's able to jump in, grabbing his arms, pulling them apart. Oh, what happens as soon as he grabs his arms? Whoop! Two more arms come out! What? Two more lightsabers come out! Swing, swing, swing! Tommy, of course, has to run back, right? He can't compete with four things. He's got to do more flippy-doos in order to get away. So, of course, what's he going to do at that point? He's got his dragon shield, and he's got his dragon sword, so he's able to take those out. But what has been established? What has been established is that General Grievous has magnetic feet. Can't magnetic feet pull in that shield and that sword quite easily? So what's the first thing he's going to do? Put up his little spider feet, and he's going to pull Tommy straight at him. Tommy's got to let go of his weapons. He loses that additional 2x advantage there immediately. And now what does Grievous have? He has two lightsabers on the top. He's got a dragon shield at the bottom and a dragon sword at the bottom, of course. But one thing is still missing here is that Tommy is practiced in Shotokan and all of these other, I don't know, a lot of them. But he's practiced in a lot of those things. And it's true. When you're practiced in karate, you know that you're supposed to go for the core, right? You're supposed to check for vulnerabilities. So I posit that that hatch door is going to be something that Tommy will very likely be able to discover. So, of course, as he's doing his flippy-doos, as he's dodging all the weaponry... Sure, maybe taking some hits, but with this 300x advantage, or 150x advantage, because he lost the 2x, he's going to be able to take some hits as he gets close. I think he finds that hatch. And when he finds that hatch, what does he do, of course? He rips it open. And when he rips it open, he finds that exposure. And that's why I think that uh, I have the answer for how this match is going to end.
4: All right, Phil. Okay, so don't leave the in suspense. In this battle between General Grievous and... And the OG Green Ranger Tommy Oliver, who would win? I gotta say, that's when Tommy busts out his
5: teleportation, jumps inside the hatch, rips out his little fevered lungs, squishes it in front of him, and throws it on the ground. The Green Ranger takes it. That's
3: come on. Yeah, you don't, you don't. You don't think he'd do, like, a spinny attack at that
5: moment and then just, like, drop him? 150X the stamina against an asthmatic
4: robot. He's going to use a teleportation. He's going to rip it right out. Listen, General (sighs) Grievous is no joke. Absolutely no joke. But you're going up against the best of the best of the OG Season 1 Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. This makes so much sense to me. It's ridiculous. to Canis. you've been on an insane hot streak lately. Tell the audience how you feel right now.
3: Look, I feel extremely disappointed at this. Absolutely. I thought I had it there at the end. I was a little bit nervous, but I felt pretty good about it. I felt like, Phil, I laid out for you exactly, exactly what would happen, and you just weren't feeling me there. I would ask the question right
5: now, how many Jedi has Tommy killed? The answer, none. He probably couldn't. Give him the chance. I mean, give him the chance, and maybe he would. You know, I would love to see that matchup. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely horrified. I am. I am beside myself with this decision. I, I
4: could not. I Look, uh, I want to wormhole out of this conversation right now. Quite frankly, I got to say, I'm going to put it out there. General Grievous would go through the original OG Power Rangers. Probably pretty quickly, maybe not the red one. I don't know. It could be a stalemate, but it would end against the green Power Ranger. But he would after every season after that, he'd have a whole bunch of helmets from Power Rangers that he had uh, destroyed, just like his oh, lightsabers. Man. Yeah, that is crazy. Okay, this was insane. Phil, you were amazing as a judge. You brought us through. You took us to the emotional highs. You brought us through some of Ray's lows. All of it was just fantastic. Tell the audience where they can find you and where they can find out more about Wormhole Labs.
5: Yeah, you can check out more about Wormhole Labs at wormholelabs.com. You can see me on all social networks at Phil Ranta. And I've got my own podcast. Make sure to search Two and a Half Sportsman Podcast for some great sports comedy action.
4: I love it. All right. Race to Canis. This was a close one and it was not an easy win. You've been making this very hard. My hat is off to you once more for a great debate. Tell the audience one more time how you feel and also where they can find you.
3: I, I don't know what I got to do. Like, we can't win with Green Lantern. Can't win with General Grievous. I can't win with RoboCop. The people I most want to win with on this show I just are not landing for me. And, I, and I'm, I'm feeling, oh, there it is. Oh, I, oh there's the despair oh yeah it's creeping in real hard right now yep 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 there it is you can find me at Almighty Ray hashtag Ray was robbed you heard me lay out a perfect example multiple times in many different ways as to why general Grievous would win this battle hashtag Ray was robbed come commiserate with me at this at this just frankly upsetting moment of my life
4: uh, you know is it upsetting or yeah it's upsetting yeah I can understand why listen we can always bring general Grievous back a, a third time. Possibly. Maybe. We shouldn't. All right, Ray, congratulations again. This was a well, really well-fought match on your part. This was not an easy win on mine. And I have a funny feeling these debates are going to get harder and harder. But that's why we love doing them. So with all that being said, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. Remember, you can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. By the way, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Check us out on Facebook. Wherever you can go for podcasts or video content, check out the Who Would Win show. Subscribe, like it, share it. We love it when you do. On behalf of myself, Ray Sakanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for joining us on another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time.